sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome to our number two, the morning after live right here on Sports Grid and Sirius XM Channel 159. That's the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM, all across the Sports Grid Network as well. I am Ben Stevens. The one thing we haven't discussed yet on today's program, the National Football League. Week three of the preseason starts tomorrow, but we go around training camp for all the NFL news and notes that you need to know it's fantasy draft season you're le- looking forward to this upcoming 2022 nfl campaign and into the futures market we go but a tough break of sorts for the washington commanders yesterday although not unexpected necessarily third year edge rusher defensive end chase young the 2020 nfl defensive rookie of the year was placed on the pup reserve list by washington he will miss at least the first four games of this upcoming 2022 season. He played nine games last year in 2021 before tearing his ACL. He only accumulated a sack and a half after seven and a half sacks in 2020, his rookie season when he won Defensive Rookie of the Year. So Chase Young still needing his time to recover from that torn ACL surgery in the offseason and is working his way back. Washington wants to bring him back, of course, when he is 100% healthy and ready to go. And it was a story for Washington last year, especially on the defensive side of the football, that was different in 2021 from 2020 when they won the NFC East Division, hosted a playoff game and went toe-to-toe with Tom Brady and the eventual Super Bowl champion, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Because in 2020, that defense under Riverboat Ron Rivera was really, really good. A top-five scoring defense in the league, only allowing just a tick above 21 points per game to their opponent. Also the third-best total defense in the league, two seasons ago but last year as you can see there on that graphic a different tune for the commanders 25.2 points per game given up defensively that was 25th in the league or the eighth worst mark in all of the national football league so if washington is going to have more success even with carson wentz now as the new quarterback in and around the nation's capital defense will be a big reason why chase young will miss the first four games of the year but hopefully we'll be back healthy soon for the commanders and right now washington the third best odds to win the nfc east division as things stand in this offseason again the commanders won this division in 2020 it was the cowboys that won it last year following that trend of nearly two decades of no repeat champions in the nfc east the team win total this year for washington is eight and a half the under has the heavy juice at minus 170 and it checks out because washington has gone under eight and a half wins six consecutive seasons even in 2020 when the commanders won this division only finishing at seven and nine in the 2020 regular season so that's how things stack up in the nfc east right 
now. And Washington dealt a slight blow, but again, not unexpected after Chase Young missed most of the ending half of last year's season, injuring himself in that 10th game for Washington. He has been placed on the pup reserve list. The 2020 Defensive Rookie of the Year will miss at least the first four games for Washington this year. A welcome to our Sports Grid Radio audience here. The second hour of the morning after now underway all across the grid. Sirius XM Channel 159. All of our terrestrial radio affiliates now in the fold as well. I am Ben Stevens. One final week of NFL preseason football before we get to the regular season, which begins just over two weeks from today on a Thursday, September 8th in Los Angeles at the home of the reigning Super Bowl champion Los Angeles Rams hosting the Super Bowl favorites in the Buffalo Bills. But week three of NFL preseason action gets underway tomorrow night on a Thursday evening in Kansas City, Missouri inside Arrowhead Stadium between two front runners for that Super Bowl championship with two of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. And right now, as it stands on the FanDuel Sportsbook, the Kansas City Chiefs will enter that final week of the preseason against the Green Bay Packers as a slight underdog at home. That line has worked in favor of Green Bay. There has been some talk in and around the facilities at Lambeau in Green Bay, Wisconsin, that Aaron Rodgers might see his first preseason action in week number three has not suited up for either of the first two games for the Packers so far this preseason however we have seen Patrick Mahomes a decent amount for the first two weeks for Kansas City in fact against Washington in week two of the preseason on Saturday he got the first two drives of the game and threw a touchdown pass on each of those opening two possessions Patrick Mahomes against the commanders 12 of 19 162 yards and two TDs against the commanders on Saturday Patrick Mahomes tied for the second best price to win the NFL MVP getting ready for 2022 right now on FanDuel at eight to one alongside Tom Brady the betting favorite to win the NFL MVP that would be Josh Allen at plus 700 Aaron Rodgers has won this award each of the last two years a back-to-back MVP he has the fifth best price and Justin Herbert there in the middle of those two numbers at nine to one with the fourth best odds on the FanDuel Sportsbook that's the start of a season in the NFL it's a postseason perspective in the WNBA up next sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com it's playoff time in the WNBA, the opening round series of the W postseason about to come to a close. A winner-take-all game three tonight in Dallas between the Wings and the Sun. That was the same scenario yesterday in Brooklyn inside Barclays Center between the reigning WNBA champs in the Chicago Sky and the New York Liberty. Welcome back to the morning after live here on this Wednesday all across sports grid now although the series was tied at one and last night it was in brooklyn and the liberty had that home floor advantage 
for that decisive winner-take-all game three, it was Chicago booked as a seven-and-a-half-point road favorite. And the sky made good on that number based on a dramatic ending in that fourth quarter. The Liberty cut it to three early on in that final stanza. Chicago then goes on a 16-0 run. The Sky win the game and the series 90-72, to covering as a 7.5-point favorite. A total of 165.5 just barely falls under. What a night for one of the best players in the history of the WNBA. One of the career leaders in terms of triple-doubles, Candace Parker, showed out on the road in Brooklyn yesterday. 14 points, 13 boards, eight dimes, just two assists away from a triple-double for the Chicago Sky. So Chicago advances to the semifinals. They will await the winner of tonight's decisive Game 3 in Dallas between the Wings and the Sun. Last night in Brooklyn, inside the Barclays Center, Maria Marino of SNY was there taking in that dramatic fourth quarter between the Sky and the Liberty. She joins us now here on the morning after. Maria, thank you for joining us early on this Wednesday morning following the great game three last night in Brooklyn. Thank you for being here on the morning after. Of course, I got to say it was a little tough to get up for it. I was a... Uh... You know, I was up late at the game, but it was so worth it. It was an amazing atmosphere at Barclays Center. It was a sellout for the Liberty. First playoff game ever for the Liberty in Brooklyn. Five years since the last home playoff game for the Liberty. So it was, um, it was really something to, to see. And the Liberty did make it a game late in that fourth quarter, at least early in the fourth quarter, cutting it to just three. And then Chicago goes on a 16-0 run to pull away and to win by 18, 90-72. Maria, what did you see there late in the fourth quarter that showed why Chicago is the reigning WNBA champs? The deeper team, the more experienced team, and credit the New York Liberty for forcing a game three and, and forcing the sky to travel back to Brooklyn. I think everyone, myself included, was a little shocked that the Liberty won game one in the fashion that they did. They actually looked like the more poised team in that situation. They were the ones closing out the fourth quarter on, I believe it was a 13-0 run. And Sandy Brundello, the head coach of the Liberty, said after the game, as great as that was, she thinks that they woke up the sky. And I think she's right about that. I mean, the, the way that the sky came out in game two and absolutely dominated every single facet from start to finish and then traveling back to Brooklyn and really being focused and ready to withstand any run by the Liberty. And you're right. You know, I was, um, I was excited when I saw, um, the end of the third quarter, Sabrina fed Natasha Howard. They got a bucket to cut the lead to 10 heading into the fourth. And then early in the fourth, you know, Sabrina scored five points um, and they cut the lead down to three. And I was like, OK, this is this is exciting. Right. Um, but then um, the sky took a timeout and they just really focused up and um, it was all them from from there on out. And they deserve they deserve to be where they are. Yeah. If the Sky end up winning a second consecutive WNBA title, maybe they send a gift basket of sorts to the Liberty for what New York <laughs> was able to do in that opening game of the opening round. But right now, Maria, as the Sky get ready for their semifinal series, awaiting the winner of tonight's Game 3 in Dallas between the Wings and the Sun, it is 
not the Sky as the favorites to win a second straight title. That would be the Las Vegas Aces. Even money at plus 100. The updated numbers this morning, the Sky and the Sun tied for the second best odds at plus 350. So a $2.5 gap between Las Vegas and then to Chicago and Connecticut. Do you think there hmm. should be that large of a gap right now in the WNBA playoffs? Not really. Um, I actually think that Vegas has the tougher road, to be honest. Um, they, they have to go through Seattle, and Seattle has shown their experience, their poise. They have the other, I would say, MVP favorite in Brianna Stewart. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, and I think Chicago has shown over these last two games that they're really very much the same team they than they as they were last year excuse me like yeah they replaced Emma Mieseman or Stephanie Dolson in, uh, for Mieseman but other than that I mean they have all that same experience Courtney Vandersloot is just playing so well I mean she always does this yep. she always does this but um, I'm so in awe about her ability to not only find her teammates and she had 10 assists again last night um, but to recognize when she needs to score. And then, you know, Candace Parker, a near triple-double. So I really feel very good about the Sky, and they're going to obviously face the winner of Connecticut and Dallas. And yeah. I feel less confident about those two teams um, than I do the other side of the bracket. A winner-take-all game three tonight in Dallas. The Wings at home, but a six-and-a-half-point underdog. How do you break down this matchup, Maria, between the Sun and the Wings tonight? This is going to be wild. I mean, I was a little stunned about how the Sun uh, went about losing that last game on their home floor. Yep. The Wings really just um, were in the driver's seat the whole game. And, you know, late in the game, Connecticut made a run and made it interesting. But um, Connecticut... Uh, I'm just surprised that that it took sort of that type of effort. I mean, it'd be it would be one thing if they were on the road, but for them to not close that out, I'm not feeling super confident about Connecticut. Um, I still think in the end they're the most, um, you know, they're the more experienced, and you know, much like the Sky, they could very well close things out tonight. But uh, it's going to be interesting. Enrique Gumbawale on Dallas is now listed as probable. Um, coming off an injury that she's had since early August. So it's going to be very curious how Vicky, J Vicky Johnson's going to deploy her. Is she going to be somewhat limited? Um, but I still think uh, Dallas better go through Marina Mabry because she's had the hot hand all playoffs. Connecticut won game one on their home four by 25. And then as Maria mentioned, the reason there is a game three tonight, winner take all in Dallas is because the Wings won by 11 in game number two in Connecticut over the weekend. Keep an eye on Jonquil Jones. Her points prop tonight, 19 and a half, 20 and 19 so far in the two games against the Dallas Wings. Maria, you mentioned the semifinal series that we already know the two teams in there, the betting favorites to win the title, the Las Vegas Aces, the top seed in the postseason against Sue Bird, Brianna Stewart, and the Seattle Storm, the number four seed right now. The Aces, the outright favorite to win the series at a minus 230 number. How competitive do you expect this semifinal matchup to be? I expect it to be very competitive. Uh, it, it's interesting, you know, Sue Bird 
in her final year, it's not like all year long she's been putting up these crazy numbers, but when it counted, I mean, again, she gets to double-digit assists the other night, and we always talk about longevity of careers, but longevity doesn't mean as much if you're not playing at a super high level, and, and Bird is showing that she is still very much capable of, of playing at that elite level, and she also has that playoff sort of clutch gene, and then Stewie is as sound as they come. I'm curious if, if Vegas is going to um, get a little too hopped up. They've got to stay focused and composed, but they are just itching, obviously, to finally bring a championship to that franchise. It is a great time of year in the WNBA. Maria Marino, thank you for your insight. More TMA. Up thank next. you. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. It's postseason time in the world of sports and live on this Wednesday right here on Sports Grid and the morning after. From the WNBA playoffs to the FedEx Cup finale and the Tour Championship this week to end out the PGA Tour playoffs and this season. Welcome back to the morning after live right here on a Wednesday. If there is golf to be discussed, that means only one thing on TMA. Our golf expert, Cam Rogers, the host of the Locket In podcast for Believe, now joins the show. And Cam, before we get to the Tour Championship, of course, all summer long, all season long on the PGA Tour, we have followed the battle between the PGA Tour and Live Golf and some of the changes the PGA Tour has been tasked with making to keep up in the race to stem their players from leaving for Live Golf. We talked about that big meeting last week ahead of the BMW Championship with Tiger Woods in appearance orchestrating the show. And some breaking news here on this Wednesday, as you shared out, some significant changes coming to the PGA Tour. Cam, what is all involved and what was your reaction to this news on this Wednesday? What's going on, Ben? This is huge. The timing is beautiful here with me coming on your show. And here's what I will tell you. Your move, Greg Norman, because this was significant news. I am golf clapping Commissioner Jay Monahan right now because you have to wonder if the likes of Cam Smith and others are now rethinking their decision to leave for live golf. What were the things that I was harping on, Ben, for the last few weeks here? Number one, money for missed cuts. Check. It's not a lot, but it's money. It'll at least cover these travel expenses for these guys. Guaranteed money, a stipend. Check. $500,000. And for those rookie golfers, they get it up front. Check big time there. 12 elevated events, averaging a $20 million purse. That rivals the average purse for Live Golf. Check there. So those are the big time hitters. Of course, there are other elements to this as well. There were rumors, of course, that the PGA Tour was going to give up its nonprofit status. That did not happen. At least it was not announced today by Jay Monahan. But these are significant changes here to the PGA Tour. And it tells me that Monahan did indeed really feel this sense of urgency to change things. Otherwise, more top-tier golfers are going to leave for the Live Tour, one note, Ben, by the way, for those Live golfers out there who are now thinking, hmm, maybe I'll just leave and come back to the PGA Tour, Jay Monahan said today he will not allow it. But again, 
big time news here for the tour and for live golf i think they're shaking in their boots a little bit very cut and dry in fact in pga tour commissioner jay monahan's response to that question if live golfers wanted to reconsider their status on the pga tour would you allow it he said no that was it you say commissioner jay monahan i say commissioner tiger woods and rory mcelroy but if it's been all about money live golf at least the pga tour is starting to open up the pocketbooks all part of celebration to keep the pga tour up there in those ranks a celebratory environment at eastlake this week in atlanta for the tour championship the fedex cup playoffs finale and cam as we know it's a different format this week based on where you are in the standings entering this season finale you start with a certain amount of strokes as you can see on that graphic for the 30 players in this field how do you explain the format cam for this week at the tour championship yeah, this is a relatively new format here at East Lake, and I love it. I think it's interesting, and it also really just whittles down this field in the outright market, too, and we'll get to that in a minute here. But Scotty Scheffler is your pole position guy because he is number one in the FedEx Cup point standings. He's there at 10 under par. They've got Patrick Cantlay, who won last week at 8 under par. Will Zelatoris was 7 under par. He withdrew due to a back injury. I really feel for that guy because... Yeah. Oof, he would have been in for a big time paycheck if he had a good week here at East Lake. So really feel for Willie. Hopefully he gets better soon. Xander Shoffley at six, Burns at five, down the line from there. The logic why we do this starting stroke situation is you avoid the awkward scenario where one person wins the tour championship, but another person wins the FedEx Cup playoffs. Like we had that with Tiger back in 2018. Yeah. A couple other times actually involving Tiger as well, Ben. So we do avoid those scenarios. And so... As far as handicapping this week is concerned, you're not going to get rich. Of course, you can bet on FanDuel with just the lowest 72-hole score. Those have the regular outright odds, but it's still 29 players, Ben. So, you know, don't go crazy with the bankroll here this week is what I'm saying. Yeah, a tough break for Will Zalatoris. Two herniated discs in his mm. back left it all out there in the first event of the FedEx Cup playoffs in Memphis. But Willie Z not only withdrawing from this event, he was third in the standings. He will also miss the President's Cup later on this fall. So a tough, tough break there. We wish Will the best recovery out there. So, Cam, you mentioned it. It's a different format. The handicap has to change. How does it for the Tour Championship? Yeah, absolutely. So again, you can bet two ways here this week in the outright market. You can incorporate those starting strokes, and then you can just do it as if they were playing from even par from Thursday morning. We're talking about East Lake Golf Club, by the way. I want to talk about this golf course, par 70, 7,300 yards. Big key is par four scoring for me here this week. Also, approach game, interestingly, not so important here at this particular tournament. I'm looking at putting. I'm looking at driving ability here in terms of actually winning or getting that lowest score in the 72 holes. So as far as the outright market is concerned, when you are applying the starting strokes, please, folks out there, do not waste your money. It's either going to be Scotty Scheffler, Xander Shoffley, or Patrick Cantlay. Interestingly, the withdrawal of Will Zalatoris really just narrows this field down to three guys. Do not go for any other inflated number. It's not worth it. I'm pretty sure in the history of the tour championship with these starting strokes applied, guys 
outside of the top four have never won here, all right? So really, it's a one in three shot of getting that outright pick correct. I'm going with Patrick Cantley this week to get it done, Ben, applying those starting strokes. He starts at eight under par. Scotty Scheffler is in first. He starts at 10 under. Patrick Cantley, victorious last week in Delaware, the BMW Championship, also won the FedEx Cup a season ago. So, Cam, there's a market out there that intrigues me because if it's based on starting strong, maybe making up some ground and just focusing on how you perform this week at East Lake, it's a market we don't often talk about. The round one leader who starts the best on Thursday's opening round. Would you look there this week if in weeks past you don't? Yeah, usually I don't, Ben. I mean, I usually just gloss over that one because it's just lighting your money on fire. But when you whittle down this player pool to 29 guys, I mean, you might as well throw some cash down. I mean, we're talking about Adam Scott at 500 to 1? Stop it. I could totally see him being the, oh, actually, you know what? When I'm looking at this right now, this could be applying to starting strokes. It is. So sorry for that confusion there. <laughs> Scotty <laughs> Scheffler, minus 140. Uh, you know, I would rather go Patrick Cantlay there and get the plus money. So I'm pivoting yeah. a little bit. Excuse me there. Plus 220, Patrick Cantlay, first round leader. I got him winning this thing. I think he is the hotter player. This is a relative term considering right. two elite players here. But, you know, you're not laying the juice in this scenario. Patrick Cantlay fires a four underscore and uh, Scotty Scheffler goes one under. Boom, you get your first round leader with Patrick Cantlay. So you can apply that same logic then to, you know, the outright market with the starting strokes applied to this market here, first round leader. It's probably only going to be one of those three guys, Scheffler, Cantlay, or uh, Shoffley. I think it's a great look at a different market than maybe we normally talk about for any regular PGA Tour event. And the starting strokes are going to be confusing for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe that takes us to a match bet. Who's going to have a better week? Starting strokes also involved here, so pay attention to that. But you're not worried about winning the FedEx Cup necessarily as just your performance this week at Eastlake. There's a market where Roy McIlroy is a heavy favorite, Cam, against Tony Finau. What's your approach to match betting this week for the Tour Championship? Yeah, and FanDuel's doing us some favors here, too. They're pairing up guys who have the same scores for the most part, for this week here. And so with Rory McIlroy and Tony Finau, I am taking the plus money all the way. Tony Finau riding a hot putter right now. We know Rory McIlroy can get a little ice cold with the flat stick. Finau has been playing great this summer. Ben, we've talked about him a lot. I consider him an elite golfer, obviously, at this point in his PGA Tour career. I can't lay that juice with Rory McIlroy. So I will go with Tony Finau there and feel pretty confident about it. All right, Cam, the final FedEx Cup event, the finale at the Tour Championship at Eastlake. Take us through the final card for this PGA Tour season. It's been a pleasure, Ben. Here we go. Outright starting strokes applied. Patrick Cantlay plus 380. Hammer that. Sunjay M is your 72-hole leader, not applying the starting strokes. He's 22-1. to one. He's been really been playing well so far this year. Multiple runner-up finishes recently as well. The iron game isn't great, but the putter can get really hot. That's what you want here this week. I like that play. Cam Smith could be reconsidering live golf minus 115 for a top 10 here this week. You're going to have to lay some juice when you're making these plays here at the Tour Championship. I'll do that with Cam. Top four on Tour and par four scoring average. Number three in approach. Number three in Bermuda putting as well over the last 24 rounds. John Rahm, top 10, minus 150. 
Why not? Starting at 10th position, I don't think he'll move behind that as we move forward here this week. Top 10 on tour and par four scoring, ranked eighth in strokes gained putting a week ago, Ben. And then finally some matchups, Neiman over Hovland, Finau over McElroy, like I mentioned, Cantlay over Scheffler. Win some money, folks. That's all we can hope to do. What a great card it was. What a great season on the PGA Tour it has been. Cam, we are not done talking, but enjoy the FedEx Cup finale at the Tour Championship you, this week at Eastlake. Cam Rogers, the host of the Lock It In podcast for Believe. More of the morning after. Up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We're just over two weeks away from the start of the NFL regular season in 2022. And tomorrow begins week three of the final week of the NFL preseason in the Green Bay Packers in that first game of week three of this preseason. So joining us now here on the morning after live on this Wednesday, it is Andy Herman, the owner of a pack a day podcast covering the Green Bay Packers all season long Andy how has your summer been how has training camp been there in Green Bay what is the mood around this Packers organization as we get ready for 2022 yeah thanks Ben great chatting with you as always uh mood is beautiful for training camp every day every single picture that I'm posting of practice is you know blue skies sunny 80 degrees couldn't be more perfect but uh, a lot of good vibes coming out of Green Bay I think there's a ton of optimism about this defense that you know for the first time probably since you know 2010 Super Bowl that you know they think that this could be a, a potential defense that is more ahead of the offense and maybe is actually the unit that leads this team into the promised land and then of course, Aaron Rodgers is still balling out. A lot of buzz about Jordan Love. So a uh, lot to talk about with the Packers, that's for sure. And Green Bay in a very similar position, Andy, from that odds perspective, entering a new NFL season. Tied for the second best price to win the NFC Championship top five in their odds to win Super Bowl 57. What do you believe is the ceiling for Green Bay entering 2022? Yeah, no, I think that's very, you know, a realistic opportunity, you know, at that sort of odds. I think Green Bay has a legitimate chance to win a Super Bowl. And I think what Green Bay is banking on is that they can have a top five defense. You look at the starting defense in Green Bay right now, right? You've got Kenny Clark, first round pick. You've got Dean Lowry, who they've put money in, Jerron Reed, who they've put money in. On the edges, it's Rashawn Gary, first round pick. On the other edge, it's Preston Smith, bunch of money in. Quay Walker, first-round pick. Devondre Campbell, bunch of money. And then at corner, Jair Alexander, first-round pick. Eric Stokes, first-round pick. Razul Douglas, money. Adrian Amos, money. Darnell Savage, first-round pick. They've either put in a bunch of top-end picks or they've put in a bunch of money into free agents to build this entire defense. The optimism is extremely high. They have beat the offense, and I would say all but one day of practice so far. Um, they've been incredibly stingy. They were ridiculous against the Saints in the combined practices, getting pressure after pressure after pressure. The front seven looks amazing. They're hoping that former Raiders head coach from a season ago, Rich Bisaccia, can fix a special teams unit that was arguably maybe the worst special teams in the history of football and lost them a playoff game a season ago. If they can even be 25th in special teams, that will be a massive improvement. 
And then you've got Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon doing the heavy lifting, and they're hopeful that Elton Jenkins and David Bakhtiari can come back and anchor an offensive line that should be improved if they can get those two guys back. So I think there's a lot of reasons to be bullish on this team. Andy, oftentimes when you mention the Green Bay Packers and contending for an NFC championship or a Super Bowl victory, it focuses on Aaron Rodgers in the offense. But do you think that defense is the more important unit in terms of reaching the promised land this year? Yeah, I think it can be. And I think that's still going to be remain to be seen. I remember a couple of years ago when the Packers beat the Bears, I think it was 2019 um, in the opening game of the regular season. I think it was like a 10 to three game. And after the game, Aaron Rodgers said, we've got a defense. And no, they didn't. They just played Mitch Trubisky in the Chicago Bears offense. <laughs> and I think there is a legitimate opportunity for this defense to be really good. Uh, but you go back to last year, and they had a lot of the same guys. Now, Jair Alexander was out with injury. At the time, Zadarius Smith was out with injury. And so they fought through some of that. Uh, but this was a defense that was improved. But you look at the DVOA and just kind of how they overall perform, and they were still bottom half of the league in defense. So to go up into a top five, top 10 defense you know, situation, it's going to take some work, time, effort, energy. And they're going to have to play better than they did a season ago. I think, like I said, there's a ton of optimism there. And I think on paper, it looks great. In camp, they've looked great. But they're still going to have to go out and prove it on Sundays. In the meantime, I think they're going to need this offense and this special teams to play different than they have in the past. If this is going to be a defense-led team, we know that Aaron Rodgers and the offense is going to take great care of the football. They always do. But I think they're going to have to maybe be a little less aggressive on fourth downs or giving the team, you know, the opposing team the ball in plus territory. And I think the special teams is going to have to be competent. So you're forcing these def or these offenses to go 80-plus yards against your defense. So I think it's going to be a little bit of a change in dynamic, but I do believe that this defense could lead the way for the Packers. And the path for the Packers to an NFC championship is always the same, taking care of your own division in the NFC North. The Green Bay Packers have won this division three consecutive years. The odds on favorites entering 2022 at minus 155. Andy Herman, will the Green Bay Packers make it four straight NFC North championships this upcoming season? I think they will. And I would be, I would put it even at better odds than that. I mean, listen, the bears are going to be arguably one of the worst teams in football. I do think the lions are intriguing slash interesting, but I think going from where they've been to all of a sudden the best team in the NFC North with Jared Goff at quarterback, I think is a bit of a stretch. Um, and then I think the Minnesota Vikings, I look at it in two ways for the Vikings and the bears, right? The, the bears know who they are. They are rebuilding. They are in a way sort of tanking ish, trying to give Justin Fields just enough to see if he is anything, or they'll go probably with a quarterback next year. They know who they are and they're sort of in rebuilding mode. The Vikings are sort of, in my opinion, in no man's land. They are trying everything they can to keep this team together with Kirk Cousins and surround him with enough, enough talent to try to go out and win a division. I think they're going to come up just a little bit short in that. And unless Green Bay has any sort of catastrophic injury, particularly to Aaron Rodgers, it just seems to me that this is very clearly a top seven team in the NFC. This is going to be the NFC North champion. And that's all great and fine, but they've been a NFC North champion and 13-win team in three straight seasons with Matt LaFleur, and they have two playoff wins to show for it so whether they finish first or seventh whether they win the nfc north or get a wild card i think is almost irrelevant for the packers i know from a betting standpoint it's not but for the packers yeah. they just got to play their best football in january and february and i think that's the point for green bay in 2022 a 13 win team three straight years a divisional champion three straight years the number one overall seed in the nfc postseason in back to back years but did not appear in the Super Bowl. So Andy, in your mind, what has to change this year in 2022 for Aaron Rodgers and the rest of the Green Bay Packers to reach Super Bowl 57? 
Yeah, I think the first thing is that they need to evolve come postseason time. I think the best teams in the postseason are playing their best football, and they're playing a different brand of football than they did in the regular season. I think Green Bay over the past few seasons has sort of played their best football in the regular season, and then they got to the postseason, and they didn't have another gear. They didn't have another option. They didn't have something else planned that they could do and go and execute on come postseason time. I think they're just going to have to be better prepared and be, you know, just play their best brand of football come January and February instead of October and November. I think that's the biggest thing. And then, as I mentioned, this can't be the worst special teams in the world ever again. They're going to have to be competent on special teams. I don't even know that they need to be a top half of the league special teams, but if they can be respectable 20th overall in special teams, it's going to be a huge leap for this team. I think they have to be more reliable on defense so that it's not these peaks and valleys where you see flashes of greatness, but then you see them give up yards after yards after yards. And I think on offense, it's going to have to be sort of that same not turning the ball over mentality, but they're going to have to find ways to be explosive as well. I think when you know, this wide receiver group is going to be for the most part fine and these weapons are going to be fine, but I think where Green Bay is going to really learn something about themselves are in the third and 10 situations, the third and longs, where you need a wide receiver like a Devontae Adams like they've had in the past that can get open in those situations, yeah. even when the team is focusing on him. In the playoffs, you know, when things get tighter and everyone's jammed and everyone's held and guys are you know struggling to separate, who on this offense is going to be that guy that's going to pick up the key first downs when they need it? So those are the things that I think they're going to need to overcome, but again, I think that have some answers built in with this defense and of course Aaron Rodgers at quarterback Andy Herman from the pack a day podcast joining us here on the morning after live on this Wednesday and Andy we showed those playoff records around the NFL since 2008 when Aaron Rodgers became the starter in Green Bay if there is a small very small blemish on Rodgers record it is that lack of overall success of getting to the biggest stages throughout his postseason career but the resume for Aaron Rodgers speaks for itself a back-to-back NFL MVP both in 2020 and last year in 2021 the fifth best odds to make it three straight this upcoming year Andy what do you expect out of Aaron Rodgers this year in 2022 yeah, what I can go off of is what I've seen at training camp every day, and that's Aaron Rodgers looks exactly like Aaron Rodgers. I would expect nothing different than what we've seen over the past couple seasons. He looks incredibly accurate. He looks incredibly mobile. He looks in fantastic shape. His arm is as live as ever. Like I, there, There's nothing that I could point to in training camp and what I've seen so far to be like, yep, there could be a decline here. Watch out. You know, well, Let's see what happens. Like This looks exactly like the same Aaron Rodgers that I've seen over the last three seasons with Matt LaFleur at the helm, and I would expect nothing different this upcoming season. We know Devontae Adams isn't going to be there, and they're going to have to change up some weapons, but I do believe if they can get healthy along the offensive line, David Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins, with some of these young players like Josh Myers and John Runyon Jr. I think the offensive line can be much improved. They're going to get Robert Tunyon back at some point, which is one of his favorite weapons two seasons ago. Jones and Dylan is one of the best, you know, running back tandems in the NFL. And I think this wide receiver is going to be able to sort of, the, the wide receiver room is going to sort of be able to Frankenstein enough together with some playmaking from Christian Watson, some possession wide receiver stuff from Alan Lazard. I think Sammy Watkins will give them a little bit something different. Randall Cobb will be that slot guy. I think they have just enough. Romeo Dobbs has been fantastic in training camp and preseason so far that they have some unique things that they can throw at defense and Matt LaFleur is such a mismatch coach I think he has a lot of different you know uh, weapons in his arsenal that he can go to in different situations 
And as we see the stats, Andy, for Devontae Adams, of course, there have been some changes for this Packers organization this offseason. Devontae Adams, since 2014, nearly a decade in the NFL, has been a top five receiver, pretty much based on every number and metric out there. So you mentioned some of the ways they'll try to replace that production. Do you think the offensive scheme at all will change this year, or will it still be focused around number 12 and green? Oh, it's a million percent going to change, but I think it's going to be interesting in the fact that I think we're really going to see a lot more of Matt LaFleur's offense. In fact, in the seven games where Devontae Adams has been out, I think we've really seen what Matt LaFleur wants this offense to be. And I think it's so easy when you have arguably the greatest wide receiver in football as an absolute cheat code who can get off the line of scrimmage against any corner and has so many different route concepts that he can run and beat corners with and beat them very quickly that you just look at that side and say, all right, we're going to throw to Devontae Adams 20 times a game. And I know he's going to continue to get open, but I think you sort of get in patterns. And we saw that against the 49ers where Rodgers was targeting Adams when he wasn't necessarily open. I think we're going to really see this Matt LaFleur off offense flourish in the fact that he wants to really take advantage of mismatches and run his style of offense spread the ball around make it so it's not quite as predictable don't get me wrong Aaron Rodgers Matt LaFleur this entire offense would love to have Devontae Adams here still it's not going to be easier it's not going to be better but I think we're going to see the true version of this Matt LaFleur offense and by the way Romeo Dobbs has shot up the board in terms of offensive rookie of the year based on reports out of Green Bay during training camp now 14 to 1, the sixth best price on the FanDuel Sportsbook. All right, Andy, NFL preseason week three starts tomorrow night inside Arrowhead between the Chiefs and the Packers. And we've seen some move on this number now in favor of Green Bay, laying a point on the road. Will we see Aaron Rodgers tomorrow night to end out the regular season for Green Bay? Only about a minute left in this segment. Yeah, no, uh, it was just announced uh, by Matt LaFleur that he is going to rest his starters in this game. So we are not going to see Aaron Rodgers. We are not going to see any of the players that we have not seen in the first two preseason games. We'll see some of the starters along the offensive line, Quay Walker, Devontae Wyatt, some of the rookies. We might see Christian Watson make his debut if he's healthy enough to go. That'll sort of probably be a game time decision. So uh, we're going to see some of the younger players. We're going to see some of the players uh, that we've seen in these last two preseason games, but the starters, Aaron Rodgers, not going to be available in this game for Matt LaFleur and the Packers so a ton of Jordan love then we presume tomorrow night in Kansas City Andy Herman of the Pack-A-Day podcast breaking down the season outlook for Green Bay this upcoming season Andy thank you so much for your time appreciate it Ben have a good one we round out the show here on the morning after up next on Sports sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com Closing out our two hours together here live on the morning after on this Wednesday on Sports Grid. Sirius XM channel 159. That's the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. All across the Spiz Grizz Network. That's Sports Grid. I am Ben Stevens. We are three days away from the start of the 2022 college football season. Saturday begins week zero to kick off the 2022 CFB campaign. You know how fired up I am for that Dublin debut between Nebraska and Northwestern, but it's just week zero. 
Week number one is next Saturday, the full true Saturday slate to start things off for the 2022 college football campaign. Of course, we have three top 25 ranked matchups, but the game I might most be excited by happens in the swamp in Gainesville between the Gators and Utah. And we've seen the line move in favor of the Utes, which leads us to a bigger picture discussion. As we say farewell, as we say goodbye, it's time for a college football playoff best bet. It is time for bye bye bye. Now, I thought I was going to be unique, maybe out on my own hill by myself this year and picking Utah to win the Pac 12 and thus have the Utes making the college football playoff. But if you follow anybody in college football media, I'm not alone. A lot of people optimistic about Kyle Whittingham and the Utah Utes this year. Their win total is eight and a half on the FanDuel Sportsbook. The over is juiced at minus 170. They've gone over that number in six of the last seven full years, including nine wins a season ago. And Utah's odds to make the college football playoff tied for the seventh best price on the FanDuel Sportsbook. I think it is a great number. Give me the Utes at plus 600 to be one of my four teams to make the college football playoff this year. And oh, by the way, that line for their week one opener in the swamp, Utah was originally booked as an underdog, now a two and a half point favorite. Thank you for joining us on the morning after on this Wednesday. We'll be back tomorrow at 9 a.m. Eastern time. I'm Ben Stevens and we'll talk then.